Hello and welcome to the second episode of the Ryan Squared Podcast. I'm Ryan. And I'm Ryan too. One thing we didn't talk about in the last episodes was ourselves. We just sort of rolled right on to this. And so for anyone listening that didn't know us personally, it was a bit confusing. So I think we'll take this time at the beginning of the episodes to introduce ourselves. Would you like to go first, Ryan? Sure. My name's Ryan Sachs. Um, I'm a freelance filmmaker in Austin. Recently graduated from UT, just living living life. Introduce yourself, Ryan. Hi, my name is Ryan Feller. I am a student in Austin again, and I'm just sort of doing my schoolwork and recording podcasts. It's quite fun. We met through our church. You're the tech guy. I'm the tech guy. It was inevitable that we would meet each other. And then I pestered you about doing a podcast. And then I stopped going to the church. I'm just kidding. Well, kind of. But yeah. Will you stop now, now that we've started recording the podcast? I'm pretty sure from like the day I met you, you had said, let's do this podcast. And I just like was like, yeah, sure. And then we never did it for no, like no, years. No, 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 no. That's exactly what happened. No. <laughs> what happened was I had seen you before and I think I knew who you were. You were working doing the video for our camp. And I was talking to you. We were having some fun conversations. And then I thought, I like podcasts. We're both interesting to talk to. Let's do a podcast together. And you were like, no. And I was like, come on. It'll be fun. It'll be real fun. We'll have a grand old time. And you're like, no. And then like a year and a half later, or two years, I don't even know the time frame. I asked you again. and was like, let's do a podcast. And you're like, oh, sure. And I was like, really? And you're like, yeah, why not? And so then we did that. And a month later, we recorded the first episode. So that's how we're here, apparently. I got it wrong. I thought I told you yes and then just ignored you. You told me no. Like, Well, at least I was, like, honest the whole way through, I guess. Yeah. One thing I forgot to mention is that I'm a photographer, and so we both share a common interest in cameras, and so I thought a fun topic for today would be cameras. I love cameras. Okay, that's it. That's the podcast. We can turn it off now. No, but really, I do. It's pretty much what I do for a living. I mean, my entire... Like, right now, I'm working on a show three days a week, just making sure the cameras are all running, helping other people set up their cameras. I'm a camera assistant, so it's good fun. Very familiar with the topic. Yeah, and I mean, you talked about this um, last episode when you were talking about videography and how you've been into videography since, like, the dawn of time. Well, not the dawn of time. Maybe the dawn of my time, but... I got into photography. I kind of always have been somewhat interested in photography. My mom, she bought, like, the new, brand new Canon Rebel camera in, like, 2000 because she worked on yearbook, and it was the first DSLR under $1,000. Ooh, ah, with 6.3 megapixels. Ooh, ah. So that's kind of always been, like, we've had, like, a really nice camera. And then my sister was really into photography and she'd use that camera and she had some cameras that she got and she got like a T2i and then I got recently, like a couple months ago, I bought myself a Canon 5D, which I've loved using. It's been really fun. What kind of camera do you use? Oh, wow. Let's go down the list, down the big old list. Uh, so I'm going to start in now and go back. So a couple months ago, I acquired... The Sony A7S. It's a mirrorless camera. I really like it because of its like small form and its ease of use. It's 
it's actually used on a as a specialty camera on a lot of bigger budget higher higher production value stuff because of its low light capabilities and just its low cost and size so you see you'll see it they use it for like crash cams or they use it for other things where they couldn't fit a large expensive camera or wouldn't want to put a large expensive camera they'll use a7s or something similar the camera I had before that was a Panasonic GH2 it was another mirrorless camera that I bought when I started doing more video work on my own and this was like my first yeah this was the first camera that was um, had interchangeable lenses and was acted more like a cinema camera in the sense that I could change settings and actually make art that I was happy with or proud of I also have a lot of film cameras, if we want to go on down that big old tangent. See, I know nothing about film. My dad had a film camera that he used, and my brother bought one recently, because he's like, I want to get into photography too. But I just never had a good film camera, and we never had, like, a lot of film. And by the time that it came, like, by the time that my interest developed in photography and the kind of stuff we had, I had already gotten so into invested into digital, and the kind of photography I want to do requires you to have a digital camera. Plus, I'm not nearly good enough at photography to go film, because that requires for you to, like, actually know the right settings, and I kind of just, like wing it a bunch of times until I get it right. That's the great thing about having a film camera though is that it forces you to be intentional about what you're doing and why you're doing it. And and to be fair there is like that that works better for certain styles of photography rather than other like some certain styles of photography or videography work best. I guess not videography with film. But certain styles of uh, of photography work best with film rather than digital, in my opinion. Like, if you're going to sit down and, like, plan out a shot, like, you can do that well with film. But if you're going to be, like, run and gun, just snapping pics here and there, like, and you want to take, like, you know, 200 photos, like, if you're doing work for fashion or something like that and you're trying you want to take 200 photos of this like model doing that in film might not get you the best results i'm just currently looking at the eos uh, m5 mirrorless camera that was just released and it actually looks pretty snazzy what is that let's do a little history in 2012 canon released its first mirrorless camera it was the eos m and it was kind of awful it had slow autofocus and just wasn't that great. But now with the M5, it has stuff like the dual pixel sensor. And so it's like super fast autofocus. And apparently it's just really good now. And it only has six lenses, but that's okay. Hmm, that's a small camera. You know what else Canon just released that we can rant about? is the C700. Oh, I thought you were going to say the, Can the 5D Mark IV. Cause... Nope. They released a C700, which is their new flagship Canon cinema camera, and it's a big pile of crap. It's actually a nice camera, but the features, most of the features that are on the camera, you can find on other cameras like Sony cameras or maybe even like Blackmagic cameras have things that the Canon doesn't have, and you can get those for like $6,000 in comparison to where the Canon costs upwards of 30 grand yeah i know the black magic ursa minor costs mini. like or mini sorry ursa mini they should have named it the ursa minor that's what because that's the constellation and it would have been really great name but they didn't black magic if you're listening change the name of the ursa mini to the ursa minor 
it'll be much better. The Ursa Mini is like $6,000 and it's a great cinema camera, but then Canon is like notoriously overprices all of its cameras. Yes, but in that defense, um, to, to Canon's defense, they have much better customer support than Blackmagic. It, it, or at least in my experiences and they're in the experiences of people I know, they've been much more reliable, much more reliable of cameras, although they have their own faults. Canon cameras are traditionally more expensive than other cameras because I know like the Sony A7R2, which is like a great camera. You got great features, great ISO performance, 42 megapixels, just top notch is actually hundreds of dollars cheaper than the 5D Mark IV that was released. And even the 5D Mark III when it was like a couple years old. Yeah, they have an interesting market to where they have a dedicated like fan base or like consumer market. Like people will buy Canon no matter what Canon puts out just because of their name almost. But that's also a dangerous, it's a dangerous thing to like stake your your company on is just the well-known nature of your company because we've seen in the past with camera companies like Kodak was once one of the most universally known names in like cameras and technology even just in in the world one of the most universally known brands and now they've like fallen off the face of the earth and they filed for bankruptcy and they're struggling to survive warning to Canon maybe Maybe don't rely so much on your name and rely on putting out better cameras. But their cameras make sense, and generally they're a lot easier to use than something like a Sony or a Blackmagic. The Blackmagics are actually very easy to use. I think that Canon doesn't rely solely on its name base, but also one thing that's very important to a lot of people is lenses. Because when it comes to something like buying a new body, you have to make sure your lenses that you could have spent thousands of dollars on are still compatible and like yes you can use adapters but you won't get near the image quality so people who buy like those like 400 millimeter f 1.4 lenses aren't gonna just be like hmm i think sony's a bit better i'm gonna get a sony this time because you can't just switch your lens over that is true because i have a sony a7s like i said earlier and i have a canon lens for it and i have the the metabones it's not the Metabones speed booster. Um, it's just the regular Metabones adapter. But it does allow me to control the lens in mostly in the way that I want to for my uses. But if I were to try and use the lens with autofocus, like use the autofocus on the lens, or even sometimes the image stabilization on the lens is a little wonky with the adapter. So it's definitely a big, a big thing to think about for sure. Or a big reason why Canon's been able to mark up their their bodies is because the lenses themselves are so good canon ef lenses or the ef mount is like the common mount like if you look at other companies like black magic or like red or like cinema a lot of cinema cameras bodies will come with ef options yeah and i think that canon at one point did make competitive cameras like the 5d which was one of the first full-frame cameras that were not in like a giant body one of the like mid-range dslr cameras that were not in a full-frame body um the 5d mark ii which was the cheapest full-frame video camera you could get and so indie videographers 
and even like you said big companies who'd wanted like a small compact camera for video would get that because it was cheap and it was great but then I think with like the 5D Mark III, it sort of dropped off again. I think the 5D Mark IV might pick it back up again because it does have a lot of cool features like the dual pixel autofocus, it has a touchscreen, it has 4K, it has like GPS and Wi-Fi, which are just like convenience features that every Nikon camera has had for 12 years, not exactly exaggerating. But I think they're gonna, the 5D Mark IV was a step in the right direction. I don't know about that. I don't know if I agree with you because you just listed a bunch of features that I don't care about at all. You care about 4K. That's the only one I care about and I really don't care about it that much. I care about having a gradable image that I can edit. Like I, I care about raw, I care about color profiles and log. I care about, you know, like those are things that I care about before I care about 4K. Like 4K is a thing that companies are adding just so that they can make more money. Like it's not actually a feature that's super applicable. Most people don't have 4K TVs yet. And the people who do, oftentimes it's like hard to stream. Like oftentimes it's hard to get the content into 4K. Like like nobody's going to sit down and watch the video I just shot on my and post it on YouTube. Like rarely are people going to be watching that in 4K at this point in time. It's like most of the people are going to be watching 1080. So, it's really not a thing that's entire it's it's on the cusp of being a standard, but it's like not a standard yet. One thing that really changes this between us is I'm a photographer and you're a videographer. So like when Canon releases their camera and they have all these features that are good for photography, you don't really care because you're a videographer. But when Sony releases a camera where you have like the A7S where like it can go up to an ISO of half a million, but then it only has 12 megapixels, but still costs $3,000. It's like... Oh yeah, and that's definitely like... You can definitely see that in the A7 line of cameras. You can see where the different, what the different features are, and and how those change when you change the uses of the camera. Like you look at the A7R, and the A7R is like the billion megapixels compared to the S, which is like 12, and then just the normal A7 is like somewhere in the middle. Megapixels don't matter for video, really, but in video, like the reason the A7S can do such great low light is because it's like optimizing the sensor rather than optimizing for like pixels, it's optimizing for light. And I know that the A7R2 has like 46 megapixels and it's like it's built so that you can get really sharp photos and like it doesn't even have an anti-aliasing filter. So your photos are gonna be as sharp as possible. For sure. But that also leads to problems in video. In the, the video world, it doesn't, it can lead to moray or like other, I guess aliasing, yeah, like you were saying. It can lead to bad things because they're not, they're not building it to do great video. They just add the video because they can and because it's a good thing to have sometimes. Because me, my primary focus is a photographer, but I'd still love to use my camera for video sometimes. But again, I can't because it's old, which sucks. Time to get a new camera. I don't have money for a camera. I don't either. I owe people money. Yeah. For my camera. Same. Sony did it right. They have the A7, which is, I want a full frame mirrorless camera. That's great, but I don't want to spend a ton of money. Get the A7. But then they're like, you want to be super good and have tons of megapixels and be the best photographer out there? 
go A7R. You want to do video, but you don't want to spend a billion dollars on a cinema camera, go A7S. Canon has the option for photography where they introduce the 5DS where it's like 50 megapixels, great. But they don't really have an option for video that's like a cheap video camera that's also like full frame and like is optimized solely for video because they have the ADD, which is like great for video but it's APS-C sized, it still has 24 megapixels, so the low light isn't gonna be nearly as good as like the A7S, and it's just sort of kind of cheap because it's a 10D series and not like a single digit D series. Well, Canon's line of more like video cameras are the 5D, the 6D, and the 7D. That's not true. All of Canon's cameras that have the D in them are focused on photography because the 7D, is like 24 megapixels it can shoot 10 frames per second and all of them have like are big on photography and then it's like oh you can do 1080p video too for fun. but those those were the cameras that like you were saying like became like you could get that interchangeable lens you could get a high quality 1080p image like those were the cameras that had that that like took over YouTube and Vimeo and like all those sites like that's what you were seeing and like it's a look that we're we're well acquainted with now and it's a look of the 7D and of the 5D and of sometimes the 6D the 60s like the 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 middle child that no one really likes it's like the 5D and the 60D had a kid and the 60 got the brains of the 5D but then the looks of the 60D. I'm so confused. I have shot on a 60D. I'm familiar with those. The, all these names we're throwing about, but I'm very confused about the metaphor that you're drawing. It's because the 6D is Canon's budget full-frame camera. Because their full-frame cameras up until 2012, I think, when they released the 5D Mark III, was you could either get a 1D, which was hecka expensive, like $6,000, and that was like, you are a professional photographer who your living is to take photos. The 5D was like a, you could still be a professional photographer or you're just like super, super into photography. And other than that, there weren't any cameras for someone who's like, I want full frame, but also I don't want photography to be my career or I need a full frame camera, but I also don't have a billion dollars to spend. Someone like me who really wanted a full frame camera, which had modern features, but didn't cost everything that I owned. And so it compromised in places like the body and design. So it has a cheaper design, which doesn't have design aspects of the higher cameras, but it has the like sensor and that kind of stuff. The sensor is all that's really important. That's the most important thing. That and the lens, sensor and the lens. That's all I care about. And I know Canon like really cornered the market when it came out with the 60D because it was great for video because it had the flip out screen and it was cheap. That's when they introduced the 7D as well. And so the 10D series wasn't like the best anymore. So 60D was like a good happy medium. And then people Honestly. bought lenses and like, I don't want to buy a new camera with new lenses. Can we talk about how awesome the flip out screen is or like... I can't because I never used a camera with one. <laughs> So your camera doesn't have a flip-out screen at all? Is that what the... the... No 5D series has one. The only... Does it have a screen? Do you have a screen, though? Of course. But it doesn't How... do live view. No, it doesn't do live view. So you can't see the screen while you're shooting it? Yeah. 
because it's old and it like wasn't built for that. So it only does like preview. Yeah. So like I can take a photo and then see it. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Flip out screen. I was going to get a T3i, but then I was like, T3i's are kind of crap. So I'm going to get a 5D instead. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, pick the sensor over the screen, but the screen is so helpful. Like even with my A7S, which has a screen that it'll go up or down, but it won't go out and around. And honestly... I miss it. I miss shooting on a screen that flips out and I can flip and face in whatever direction I need or because sometimes it's really hard to get the right viewing angle of something or like to turn it sideways so I can shoot multicam and be like looking at the side of the camera or even have it pointing towards me if I'm doing some kind of thing where I'm looking at myself or need to check the frame while I'm doing standing in or something like that. It's super helpful, and it's like, I miss that. I think that's one of the reasons why the ADD can influence it, as it's like, look at this great video camera. It's because it's the best camera that has a flip-out screen, and it has the dual pixel autofocus, which is very complicated, and you could look it up. But what it does is it splits pixels in two, and so then it can focus better and focus faster and more accurately. And so since it has great live focus, and it has a flip out screen, Canon's like, this is a great camera for video. But I've looked at some stuff about the 6D Mark II that's coming out the spring of 2017, and I've heard it's gonna have a flip out screen, and it's also probably gonna have the dual pixel as well. So the 60, since it's gonna be full frame too, is probably gonna be the Canon's new go-to video camera. Huh, that's cool. I automatically hate anything that has to do with autofocus. Because as somebody who works professionally as an assistant camera, and my main job as an assistant camera is to maintain the camera system and also pull focus throughout f different films and throughout diff all the shots. The idea of a computer doing that for me makes me very sad because that means that they no longer are as reliant on me to make their movie the best. Since it's also touchscreen, all you need to do is tap where you want to focus and it focuses and tracks that point. The tracking is what scares me because before they didn't have the tracking and it was just like, oh, you focus and then if it moves, you got to refocus again. But now you can have, yeah, smooth focus tracking. It's still got a long way to improve until it's anything like a human f pulling focus, but it's still, it's still scary. Computers are coming for our jobs. AIs are coming. Hey, we talked about this. We did. Deja vu. This is going to be a theme. What if we aren't even people? And what if we're robots <laughs> making a podcast and we're taking the jobs of podcasters as robots? Or maybe we're two really inept people who don't know how to podcast and are taking the jobs of actual podcasters. Maybe. Maybe. Have you ever dipped into the foray of photography instead of videotography? I have. I would call myself like a professional, like I make films and video for a living, but I would consider, I would consider myself an amateur photographer, which is a weird, it's a weird thing to call yourself a cinematographer and be like professional at like making images look good and making video look good and lighting video and then be amateur at this photography thing. But they really are. They're two different worlds. Yeah. There's a lot of overlap, but they're also very different. So it would, it would be foolish of me to say that I'm great at photography because I'm good at video 
which I'm not even sure I can say. Like with my film cameras, I have three film cameras. I love shooting on them. I can't do video in any of those cameras, you know, like none of those cameras do video. So I do photography. It's just, it's hit and miss. It's infrequent. It's not with any kind of consistency. I think people are like cameras. They can be built for one thing, but also just happen to do another. Yeah, for sure. Like, well, my A7S, here's a great example. My A7S, you could use it for, it's not great for photography because of, like you said, the megapixel count oh, like is you really a, low. I saw a picture that you had blown up that was supposed, it's, it's pretty big. And when you look at it without like getting really close in, you can look at things and be like, that's a pixel, that's a pixel, that's a pixel, that's a pixel. What are you talking about? Like, if uh... you get up close and you look at it from like... <laughs> six inches to a foot away you can be like i can see pixels yeah so that's that's a scary thing but anyways so that camera like i could take photos with that and i actually when i purchased it my intention was it'll get this this was like a really lightweight like portable camera i can go like take photos with it go do little video things here and there and it'll be great and then i slapped a giant camera cage it's a tilta they make to turn it into more of like a build of a cinema camera. Mm-hmm. And I slapped that on there and then I slapped my big old 24 to 105 F4 lens on there, which is, I mean, it's not like the biggest lens you can get, but it's like, it's actually pretty it's a, big. It's, it's a long. large lens. It's not a small lens. It's not a portable it's lens. It's not like a it's, 50. Yeah. Like it's a large zoom. And then I slapped my big old AC7. It's a small HD monitor slap that on there and all of a sudden i've got this you know huge bulky rig that it's like oh i can't take this anywhere easily like it's no longer this lightweight portable camera it's now this big heavy duty cinema camera you should send me a photo of that and i can put it in the show notes it's on my instagram at ryan Sachs. plug it if y'all want to go see a picture of ryan's caged camera go to Instagram and search Ryan Sachs and you'll find a picture of his camera. Yeah, but talking about like my frequency of photography, looking at my Instagram's a great example of that because I have to force myself to find things to post and I post about once a week. Like I wish I posted way more, but it's just like it's hard to find photos that I'm happy enough with to post, you know, because I hold myself to a high standard. And I think I can recognize a good photo from a bad photo. I just don't think I'm great at taking... I don't have a high consistency of taking a certain level of photography, which is the mark of, you know, somebody who's good at a certain style of photography is going to be able to put that style of photography out constantly or put that level out. And I'm just not consistent or not very consistent in any specific style or, you know, branch of photography. Yeah, I mean, even on my Instagram, my photos are terribly inconsistent in, like, the style that they're in and, like, the colors and stuff. And sometimes I wonder if what I'm doing, I'm just, like, messing around and I think it looks good, but in reality it doesn't. So I'm just sort of... You've got that, what is it, the 10,000, it takes 10,000 hours at something to become a master of it? Yeah. So I look at that number and I'm like, I'm probably not a master at anything. I'm probably pretty bad at most things. Have you done 10,000 hours at school? You probably have by the time you're... No, okay, let me calculate it. Okay, so if you're at school for... If I get there at 8 and I go home at 3, that's 8 hours a day plus lunch. You can minus that out. So that's 7 hours a day. And if there are... I think someone said like 100 and... 
40 school days in a school year. That's 140 times 7. In one year, you do 980,000 hours of school. Times the 12 years you're in school, that is 11,760 hours of school by the time you graduate. That's weird. I don't feel like a master at school. That's just like um, grade school, not to mention college. And if you go for like a master's. I don't feel like a master at anything involving education. Me neither. Let's talk about education. Just kidding. We're not going to talk about education. We're not masters at that. We're not masters at photography or videography, but we're still talking about videography. You know what we are masters at? Podcasting? Troubleshooting. Oh. I don't know if I'm a master at that either. That's just turn it off, turn it back on again. Google it. Let's Google it right now. What is the best camera for photography? And then we'll do the same for videography. The 10 best digital cameras in 2016. Let's read them. Ooh, top one is Sony A7R2. Pros, excellent resolution, high-end 4K video. Low, relatively limited lens range. Menus need streamlining. Um, Sony menus are the worst. My Sony menu, it's like you have to look in like 10, 15 different places to do like the four things you want to do. You have to like spend like a minute in the menu. A minute doesn't sound like a long time, but it's like to to find anything, it's like you're going to spend, if you go into the menu, you're going to spend at least a minute there trying to find what you're supposed to find. Like when I, when I plugged in my monitor, my external monitor into the HDMI, for some reason it was only pumping out video to the HDMI and the camera didn't have any video or any image on the screen anymore. The screen was just like off and it was all going to the monitor, the second external monitor. And I had to try and find how to turn that off in the settings because I knew I could, but it took me like 10, 15 minutes to find what I was looking for. And I couldn't find an article about it on the internet. I Googled it. I was like, I got to troubleshoot this. Googled it. Couldn't find an article anywhere about what this setting was or like why I couldn't see on my monitor. And I just had to like look through the menus until I found what I was looking for and just fiddle around with buttons. So the Sony's definitely not the best with their menus. I think that's one of the reasons people enjoy Canon so much is Canon like knows how to do a menu. Like even on the 5D, 10 years ago, they still had great menus. And today they're just as organized and still good. I've heard stuff about like Nikon and how you have to go into menus to change the white balance. And I'm like, why? The white balance is such an essential part of photography. You can't just have to go into a menu every time you want to change the white balance. It's awful. On that point, I'm pretty sure the Canon like T2Is, you had to go into the menu. No, no Canon cameras. You had to go into the menu. I've had stuff from like the first Canon Rebel to like the 5D to T2Y to... Oh, you're right. You're right. You just have to like press like a combination of like 10 buttons. The thing I really like about my Sony though is that all the all the things you need to change like on an immediate note, like it's got three knobs, one for ISO, one for shutter speed, and one for uh, aperture. Canon does a similar thing where they have their they have their screen on like their higher end cameras. On the lower end cameras, it's kind of, but on their higher end cameras, they have their screen, and then in front of the screen, they have buttons, which it's it'll say like autofocus slash drive so you can change between autofocus modes and like single shot multi shot and timer and then it'll have like white balance and aperture so you just press the button and then either turn the click wheel on the back or the like scroll wheel next to the shutter button 
And that's actually really easy to use and really quick once you know where the buttons are. Sweet. So how do you mostly use your camera now that you have it? The only thing I really can use it for is photography. <laughs> yeah, what kind of photos are like what? I don't really like the term that they, I did, but apparently I'm taking these kind of photos. It's like moody photos where they have, they're like very, very edited, but they still look pretty cool. There's a lot of contrast in them between like lights and darks, but I think it looks decent and apparently people agree with me because I've been gaining followers, so I'm guessing it works. Not quite sure. What kind of like subjects are you like photographing? Kind of everything. I mean, I'll do some landscape. I'll do some pictures of people. My latest one is a picture of my friend standing against a wall with some vines going around him. It's just sort of whatever looks good. What do you do with your camera? Most of the work I have been doing with my camera, it's not the most exciting. All the stuff I shoot on my A7S is like corporate video more corporate styled stuff or uh i've been trying to do some more music videos but it's a lot of a lot of people talking interviews stuff like that various like event videos and stuff like that i reserve most of like like photography i do for my film cameras like i said earlier i have a minolta slr that i like to use um when i'm like really planning out what i'm shooting my dad has a bunch of magazines that are old photography magazines from like the 80s and I've seen stuff for like Minolta cameras and I had no idea what they were until I like saw all these magazines. Minolta's cool. They're a cool brand. I don't even know if they make cameras anymore. I think they do things kind of, I don't know. I've got another Minolta camera. It's a Minolta AF120. I bought it at Goodwill for like $3.00. And it's a point-and-shoot with autofocus and red-eye reduction. And it's a film camera. And for $3, I would say it's it was a pretty good investment. I've probably shot like four or five rolls through the camera. Just like various. I tried to take it with me as much as possible to just anything I was going to. And just take photos of my life. It was kind of more of, you know, like street-style photography and like documentary kind of stuff it's been interesting with the with the point and shoot you know i take it to a lot of shows and stuff it also had a flash which was like a big feature i don't have a flash that works with my minolta so like anytime i was in like a dark space or like out somewhere at night like on a film shoot or you know at a show in my house it's like you can't really use a film camera because a lot of the times you know high iso stuff i mean there's not you can't really get high iso stuff on film cameras and when you do it looks really grainy or gross oftentimes yeah digital cameras another great use for them is low light photography like one of the reasons i picked the 5d over the t3i is i i see myself doing a lot of lower light photography and still the 5d has the best low light performance out of any canon aps-c and i was definitely going canon because all the lenses i had were canon and i didn't want to buy new lenses because they are expensive and I knew how to use my lenses, so I bought the 5D because it had great low light. Low light's fun, man, because there's yeah, there is a there's a lot of opportunities where you don't where you can't you know place light. Like I'm use I'm coming from like a film perspective where oftentimes you can set up lights or you can you know you can relight something or you can reposition your your subject 
to stand closer to a, to a source of light. And oftentimes that's a really great way to make something look better. And like oftentimes just like popping up your ISO doesn't really solve your problems or like make a better image, but it does allow you some, you know, you can, you can take some risks in the sense that you can like move faster or you can not worry about certain things or you can, you know, shoot certain subjects that you wouldn't have been able to shoot were you not shooting with a low light camera, which is super great. And that's honestly too one of the biggest reasons I chose the A7S was because of its low light capabilities rather than, you know, going with like a GH4. I could have stayed in the, the micro four thirds sensor size. I could have, I had the GH2, I could have gotten the GH4 and all my accessories would have worked with it all my lenses and my adapters, but I chose to change. And one of the biggest reasons was because the low light. Quick side note. It looks like Minolta doesn't do photography anymore. They're more into printers and screens, like OLED lighting. Oh, cool. At least they're still hanging in there. Yeah. I mean, unlike Kodak, who died because they thought film was never going to die. Hey, they're not dead yet. Not dead yet. Film is still a thing, but Kodak was banking that, like, digital cameras weren't going to take off and everyone would still do film forever and like everyone would do film but then people were like i just want to take a picture on my digital camera and send it to my mom like no one's gonna do film (laughs) sorry yeah for sure there's definitely i don't think like when people say like film is dead i don't think it is because i think there's a process to it and there's like there's a look to it that i mean you can try and like fake the look but at the end of the day everyone's still trying to you know light their or like grade their images or like make their images look film look like film you know you're trying to trick your eyes into thinking it's film or for the most part although i know like the style of photography that you do doesn't actually have really a filmic like you're not imitating film grain or you're not imitating like the film the colors that you see in film it's a very you have a very like digital look to your photos i really like i hate grain absolutely the worst anytime i see grain i'm like oh i love it i love film grain that is like anal like digital analog grain looks great digital grain looks great gross Um, like that's the thing that's so beautiful about film though is just like the way that it it formed these little tiny crystals that like bunch up with light like that's what makes a film image and you have you know you've got your little like red crystals and your green crystals and your blue crystals and they all come together and then you, you have an image like that's how film works and they group up in different areas more than in others because there's more red in that area when the shot's exposed and it's it's like when you zoom into like little tiny bits you don't get dots like you do in a digital image you get like these natural grain structures that are really pretty i think film just like vinyl has not died but it is just hipster. I think if it's one thing that we've learned from these great two episodes of the podcast is that you are a hipster at heart and nothing can stop that.
You are the last. We're gonna make a show. It's gonna be called Sax, the Last Hipster. <laughs>